0: Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Bobby Sills, Communications Executive at the CII. In this episode, I'll be talking to Ian Hughes and Matt Hall. In this episode of the podcast, we're discussing what insurance professionals need to know about the FCA pricing practice rules. We are joined by Ian Hughes, CEO of Consumer Intelligence and Matt Hall, Strategy and Operations Manager, Insurance Societies and Networks at the CII. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, go to thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcast. And here's our conversation with Ian and Matt. Hello, Ian, and hello, Matt, and thank you very much for joining us on CII Radio today.
1: Hi, Bobby. Hi, Bobby.
0: Very appreciative of you both being here. So, the UK Financial Conduct Authority has recently published its policy statement confirming new rules to tackle price walking, which is also known as the loyalty penalty. Matt, can you tell our listeners a bit about the new rules on pricing, what they entail, and why they were established?
2: Sure. So, the FCA have been concerned for some time about the risk of harm to customers caused by selling practices in general insurance, and particularly focused in the home and motor spaces. To give you a sort of idea of the scale of what we're talking about today, in 2018, research that the FCA carried out actually identified 6 million policyholders that were paying high or very high margins. So that's over 10% of the UK's adult population potentially paying over the odds for their insurance. If those customers paid the average for their risk, they could have collectively saved $1.2 billion. Some, although it's probably important here to note not all of those cases, are, are due to harmful pricing practices, So, especially related to differences in pricing for new and existing customers, and also something called price walking, the practice of gradually increasing renewal prices to customers over a, a period of time. At a very basic level, the rules have a straightforward and simple intention. They want to prevent that practice and make sure that when an existing customer renews their home or motor insurance policy, they pay no more than a new customer would for the same cover. Firms, of course, can continue to set their prices to win new business, but only if an existing customer can access that same price at the point of their renewal. So... That's what sits at the core of what the FCA has actually described as a radical package of measures. It also asks insurance firms to make it easier to cancel products or stop automatic renewals. And interestingly, it it asks them to consider and demonstrate how they provide fair value to their customers over a longer period of time.
0: Excellent. And Ian, to bring you into the conversation, can you tell us a bit about how the new pricing rules will impact customers and, and also the broader market?
1: so this is going to be mega across the market i think you know that clearly there's good technical reasons why the fca's done what it's done but sitting at the very heart of this is this issue about trust i can't think of another market in which the best customers the most loyal customers who've been with the company for the longest pay pay more than pretty much everybody else so that's brought about a situation where uh, consumers have lost trust and in a contract of trust, which is what insurance is, it's a sort of fundamental flaw that sits at the heart of what's going on with an insurance policy. So I think this is an enormously uh, it's a it's a great opportunity for the industry to to really get underneath the skin of creating trust, creating loyalty, and you know really improving the situation for consumers and and making them want to to stay with their insurer. And there's a really interesting outcome comes from this. We've done a piece of research that says, if you were to get a fair price, a good price, from your insurer every year on renewal, would you renew with your insurer? Answer, obviously, yes. But then we ask a follow-up question, which is, and would you also buy other things from that insurer? And the answer to that one was yes, because life's too short to shop around for insurance every year. People want to get good, fair value from their insurer and if they can do that, they'll not only buy one insurance policy, they'll buy a number of insurance policies. So I think in terms of consumers, this is great. But in terms of the broader market, it means that we, you know, we think this is a tectonic shift in the market and a huge change that we have yet to see. So I've been here for 20 years in this market. I've not seen anything like this in 20 years. It's really exciting.
0: Absolutely. And and Matt, Ian touched a lot on the importance of of trust then and and gave some really good examples. The CII produces a public trust index, which looks at consumer confidence in our profession and how our behaviours and practices impact this. To what extent do you think the rules will achieve the outcomes the FCI are hoping for in securing better outcomes for customers? And will they improve public trust in the profession or is this something that insurers should have been doing already?
2: It's a very good question. I think to sort of build on some of Ian's previous comments, if you look at this on a very simple level and we place ourselves into the shoes of the consumer, let's take me, for example, as a buyer of insurance, if you told me that these rules would ensure I wouldn't pay more than a new customer if I stayed with my current provider, but that if I did want to switch, I could do so quite easily with less barriers, I I would fundamentally view that as an improvement to my experience. As you rightly noted, we, we maintain a, a public trust index, which looks at the behaviors and practices of our industry and, and how that impacts trust of our customers and, and clients and, and the reputation of our industry. And one of the, the really interesting pieces of that research is what we call opportunity gaps. We're talking here about the difference between what we currently provide to customers and, and what they expect from us. What's really interesting is that the largest of those gaps is around loyalty and confidence. No big surprise there. But what's really particularly interesting is that those pricing rules and what they're aiming to achieve, many of our customers just view that as a minimum requirement. So actually, as a customer, I don't expect to just receive the same deal as a new customer. I expect to be rewarded for my loyalty, whether that's financially, whether it's in the terms of enhanced cover. So increasingly... Customers will be looking at at some of these rules, perhaps not directly, but they'll be seeing the impact of these rules and thinking, this is just a minimum expectation. I want even more than this. So there's a a real opportunity for insurers that get this right to gain a competitive advantage. And I think what's really interesting about that, Matt, is that even
1: Lidl, when I shop at Lidl, I've got an app that gives me You know, if I spend a certain amount of money, I get certain amounts of money back. You know, there's no question that every point in the value chain can benefit from having more focus on customers uh, and giving loyalty to customers. And if loyalty, if you give loyalty to customers, you will receive loyalty from those customers. And if Lidl can do it, if Tesco can do it, if British Airways can do it, then why can't insurers actually get the benefit from having loyal customers and get those better outcomes that the FCA is looking for. Well, this is definitely a thing where, you know, you shouldn't see this as being a negative thing within the industry. This is being good for customers, is good for you commercially, and is good for compliance as well. This has got to improve trust in the profession, I would have thought.
0: Absolutely. And there are some question marks around whether the pricing practice rules will be of benefit to vulnerable customers in delivering better outcomes, or alternatively, whether by discouraging price walking, there might be an unintended risk of premiums rising for everyone. Ian, how will the rules impact vulnerable customers?
1: It's a really interesting piece. So it really depends on how you define vulnerable customers. So the FCA has talked about vulnerable, that their definition is a person that's uh, liable to being exploited by a company because of their behaviors. Uh, and they then go into, that's not the, the actual definition, that's the in summary of it, but they then go into four different tests of four different categories. So you know financial literacy, disability, and a number of other areas where they, they would look at you know, vulnerability. And I think they, they've, Got it up to about 52% of the population that's vulnerable, including me because I'm self employed. So, you know, lots of stuff that sits around that. We did some research. We flipped the whole thing on its head and we said, right, people who've been with their insurer for four years or more and did not shop at renewal, at their last renewal, what do those people look like? Are they financial? Do they fit those vulnerable criteria that the FCA set? Because surely they are people who, if they're not shopping around at renewal, could be exploited by their the insurers, and it turns out that the number one indicator of people not shopping at renewal because they're really happy with their insurance company is a great claims experience. People who've had a really extraordinary claims experience tend to want to stay with their insurance company. So this comes back to this whole loyalty issue. People want to be loyal. They want great claims experience. So, you know, there is definitely an impact here. But in terms of inclusivity, diversity and inclusivity, which is, you know, really important for the FCA, I think what we have to look at is whether these these new rules will go the distance the FCA wants it to for vulnerable customers. What it absolutely will do will mean that those people who've been with the insurer four years or more and who don't shop around should be getting the same price as new business customers. And so they will feel a big positive benefit.
2: I think there's a um, particularly interesting point to this as well that I, I mentioned at the start, The the SCA had identified those 6 million policyholders that are paying high prices. And within that, the the estimate that they produced actually forecasted that one in three of those people had potential vulnerabilities, including, for example, reduced financial understanding. there seems to have been quite a debate recently about whether pricing practice rules will deliver better outcomes for vulnerable customers, but with unintended consequences. So do we discourage price walking and then do we see prices rise for everybody? And therefore, should we as consumers pay the price per collectively to protect those unable or or unwilling to shop around. And and that probably becomes quite a a challenging ethical or moral question. But one thing I do feel quite strongly about is if, if the industry believes that the discouraging price walking won't protect vulnerable customers or will do so but to the detriment of others, then surely it's incumbent on us to put forward and and suggest and implement effective solutions. We can't, we can't just look at what the regulator's offering and saying we don't like that. We need to work out a way to engage with those with lower levels of understanding or awareness of products and pricing. So I think, you know, we we need to look at elements such as communication and, and transparency if we're to reach these customers and if we don't wish for the regulator to intervene further.
0: Absolutely. And one of the most prominent drivers underpinning the new rules is that of fair value. So the difference between cost and benefit, but also the extent to which customers are happy with the service that they're receiving. Mac, what can the profession do to address fair value in perhaps the shorter and longer term?
2: The FCA have certainly placed a lot of focus on that concept in particular. And and actually, even in any industry, um, capturing and measuring value has been notoriously difficult. You're, you're trying to measure the difference between cost and benefit. And Although price is clearly an important element of value, it is important that insurers don't get overly fixated on it. It's a concept that needs to be considered right throughout the term of a policy and product, not just the single point at which a customer purchases or renews. And I think we can look again to the public trust index here and and particularly to some comments Ian's already made. When we see, particularly looking at, at those sort of broad themes that matter most to customers, over the past year, prices actually started to fall down those rankings and elements related to claim, such as speed of processing, control of claim, even what you might describe as, as softer qualities, things like being treated with empathy and respect have grown in importance for customers. So that, that's gotta be good news for insurers, right? There's, there's long been criticisms of how price comparison websites encourage customers to only look at price. And perhaps what this research indicates is customers are starting to become more value aware they're willing to pay a bit more, but on the flip side of that, they have really high expectations and and some of those expectations are around influence and and understanding and, and being communicated with in an appropriate way so i I think there's a lot of components that add up to to value and I, I'd just add one other other area to this is around flexible products and services could have a really key part to play in this area. I use the example of motor insurance last year. We we saw a lot of cars parked up because of the coronavirus restrictions. Did an annual motor policy deliver fair value in that situation? And in many cases, the answer would be no. And in some instances, we actually saw insurers trying different approaches to remedy that difference between cost and benefit, whether refunds or discounts. But ultimately, I think what that reflects is if a customer only pays for the cover they need or the cover they use, that could be a huge step forward in achieving what the FCA are currently describing as as fair value. This is a really
1: fascinating point, right? So, I mean, the question is about what the profession needs to do. So, I think firstly, you know, you need to understand that this is a governance issue. Right? Fair value is a governance issue, and you know, the the general insurance pricing practice that that new versus renewal business pricing thing that we've been talking to up until now is just a tsunami the fault line that's triggered the tsunami is fair value. And it is a fundamental change in the way that businesses will be governed, the way they will be run, and the way that the FCA will look at the market going forward. This is a separation of the industry from the past and into its future. And so as a profession, come to those points that Matt's just talked about. I mean, I just looked at some data this morning, just on this very point, and Matt nailed it. You know, so things around the service you give to your customers and the level of engagement you have with your customers. Yes, price is important. I'm not going to say that price isn't important. It's crucial. But actually, you're quite right, Matt. There's measures around increasing value, increasing you know, the, the way that the cover works for the person, whether it be uh, usage-based insurance or whether it be an annual policy. Those things are critical. And I think as a profession, as a chartered, Institute. And as members of the Chartered Institute, it's a really important time to think about what does governance look like? How are we best serving our customers? Not how are we best serving our shareholders alone uh, and the, that bottom line alone, because the long-term future of fair value, so the, the phrase is long-term fair value. It's not short-term fair value, it's long-term fair value. So having the governance right is utterly essential in this change that's coming into the market.
0: Absolutely, and, and both of you there gave some really excellent examples. Um, you know about some of the key things insurers need to be aware of in terms of selling insurance products in regards to communication and the service that we provide to customers. Do you have anything else to add to that?
1: I think there's some really interesting things around communication. I think insurers have tended to, especially in the sort of the mass market lines, they've tended to want to take a person onto policy, and then maybe see them again at renewal when they send them their renewal notice, and in the interim, try and not communicate as much as possible. The data shows that the more engaged the customer feels an insurer is with them, so that it's not about customer being engaged to the insurance but the insurer being engaged to the customer, the more engaged the customer feels, the more likely they are to renew, and the more likely they are to see fair value. So this is you know, a really interesting time to think about service as well as pricing.
0: Excellent. And finally, the CII's insurance societies have produced lots of really useful content for members this year. Matt, can you tell our listeners about some of this work and and perhaps where they can go for more information?
2: Yeah, of course. So our policy and and public affairs department have been really active in engaging with the regulator and and some other key industry stakeholders to ensure the views of of our membership are represented in some of these discussions. For members themselves, we've produced a number of overviews and and summaries to help translate some of that sometimes quite complex regulatory guidance into plainer English. And particularly, I think, again, I, I, I mention it several times during every time i I speak, but the public trust index should be a key resource for decision makers in this space. What our customers want and expect from us should be a key driver in our business decisions. And I would urge anyone listening to take a look at those opportunity gaps. They're just simple representations of the difference between what our customers expect and what we currently deliver. And if we can close those gaps in a responsible and sustainable manner, it will be good for customers and and it will be good for our businesses. I think it's worth considering as well some of those broader behaviour and and knowledge pieces we spoke about throughout this as well. If we're to get to grips with some of these rules in a meaningful way, uh, elements like communication and transparency will be essential. And we've produced a lot of learning resources recently in that area as well. And and they're, you know, they're, they're going to be essential skills in navigating the implementation of these rules You can find a lot of that in uh, Learning Content Hub of uh, both the CII and its insurance societies or simply by visiting the CII website and just searching for pricing. It would be remiss of me at at this point as well not to point out some of the excellent work Ian and his organization do. So I would certainly uh, encourage you to look at some of the research that consumer intelligence is carrying out because this is really sort of frontline stuff in terms of understanding what customers see when they look at the insurance profession, what they see when they look at our products and services and what they want from us. As a profession.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Ian and Matt, for speaking with us today. You shared lots of really in-depth information on the pricing practice rules and the key things members should have on their radar. So all that's left to say is thank you very much, both of you, for your time and for joining us today.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Bobby.
0: And thank you for listening to this episode of CII Radio. To find out more, visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at CII Group. Until next time, stay safe and thank you for listening to CII Radio.